0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B, a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy, and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back, and enjoy. Now here's your host, Jenny B.
1: Hello and welcome to the show. When you think about marketing, communications, graphic design, art, writing, any other craft it all requires some fundamentals the basics or abcs if you will it's learning how to do what you need to do in order to excel at that craft and once you learn the fundamentals whether it's through a program at a university or college maybe Learning something online or learning from someone who has mastered the craft over many years, and then you can add your own personality, your own flavor, so to speak. You can start really customizing what you're doing, depending on your audience, depending on who are your customers, your clients. Maybe you want to start teaching, and so. Where are the students coming from? You know, what demographic? There's a lot to consider when you are ready to launch your business or your teaching career and start really honing your craft and sharing your talents. My guest today is someone who has done all of that and more. His name is Ziv Tritelovich. And Ziv, actually, before I introduce his bio, so to speak, Ziv was a student of mine when I taught my first course in 2017 in fundraising. Now, Ziv is the digital marketing manager at St. John's Ambulance. He's also a graphic design instructor at the University of Winnipeg Pace for the past three years. And he's also a digital marketing expert, veteran graphic designer, and an all-around creative professional. Please help me welcome Ziv. Hey, Ziv.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I'm so happy that you reached out to me and we have a chance to really talk about everything that you've been up to in terms of marketing and graphic design. Now, first of all, I do want to talk about your projects, but let's talk about your work at St. John's Ambulance. So how did that come about?
2: So the funny thing is the role that I currently have at St. John Ambulance was not a role that originally existed. So before I started, they actually had someone from Alberta taking charge of the marketing in both Manitoba, Alberta, as well as the Northwest Territories and Nunavut. And it became very apparent that they need somebody here to to manage their local console. And having somebody work online just wasn't giving them uh, the result they wanted. So they didn't interview a lot of people. I think that I was maybe one out of two or three that they interviewed. And thanks to my prior experience working in design, as well as my you know, university experience being in school and my previous job role, I managed to get that job. And for the past year and a half, it's been a project after project that quite frankly, before I started was not even a discussion point in any meeting, but I was able to not only prove to them within a year that they made the right decision, um, but more importantly, I think that their bottom line sees that they made the right decision, which makes me much more busier nowadays than when I started, which is a good thing. But yeah, that's essentially how I, I got the role that I that I work at.
1: Oh, that's wonderful, and I'm not surprised that they decided to go with someone local because the markets and and the demographics and even the community and the culture within the different provinces. So, You know, Manitoba is very different from Saskatchewan and Alberta, and so what works in Alberta doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work in Manitoba. And so it was a, actually genius on their part to say, you know what, this isn't working. We're not getting the numbers that we want. And and really, I mean, St. John's Ambulance is a nonprofit organization. And so having worked for nonprofits, I, I do understand that revenue is important. But not only that, but you count on repeat customers in a sense, you know, those that need to get their first aid training and so on and so forth. And so, yes, because of your background, and we'll talk about that in a moment, you were able to prove to them. And I, and I've been actually following you on social media. And so I see all the work that you've been doing and very creative. And I mean, that's what you need to do is that because there are a number of first aid companies out there and you know, what makes you unique? What makes you stand out from all the rest? And, and so I think that you've been doing a really good job. And obviously your bosses agree.
2: I really appreciate that. And I can add to your point as well that uh, one thing that was definitely lacking when I started was a sense of community. In St. John Ambulance, it's not only about first aid training. They also have their own therapy doc program that supports thousands of different people across the province. Most of the money that they get from funding and first aid courses goes towards medical first responders and their training. Um, They attend a lot of sporting events. The Blue Bombers is one of the events that they always are at. Um, The World Police and Fire Games that are happening in July and August, um, we are gonna be a big volunteer in that organization too. So I think that being able to really promote what's happening locally and really show the data that what we're doing makes sense to do it locally is Really starting to slowly grow, not only all the social media pages, but all the all the exposure we, we, we've been getting for the past year. And there's one exciting thing about all that that I can share a little bit later. And I think that little thing is going to take everything that I mentioned so far is and really going to wrap it up together.
1: Oh my goodness, I can't wait to hear about it. But you know, I didn't know that you had a therapy dog program. I think that's wonderful because. Animals, I I know that when, when you're feeling anxious and just out of sorts or depressed or, you know, there's something going on that you're not quite yourself, that animals have such a healing ability. You know, you think about therapy dogs and even cats at seniors' homes and, you know, dealing with people that have had brain injuries and so on. And so I love the idea of therapy dogs. And I am familiar with, you know, the EMTs or Medical personnel at very sporting events because when I was working at the Arthritis Society, you know, we had to put the walk up to fight arthritis, and I would always get St. John ambulance to come out and be on site just in case because you just never know. And it's a service that you don't take for granted. And so I'm I'm, I'm really happy to hear about everything that St. John's ambulance can provide. Absolutely. All right, so I do want to talk about your background because you had mentioned, you know, we, in in my intro to you about being a graphic designer and so on, and of course, you know, me meeting you at at the Pace program, but we were discussing before the interview started that um, you took the two year graphic design program at Red River College, and then you decided to enroll in the Pace program. So, what made you decide, given that you had two years of graphic design and I'm sure that you learned quite a lot from that program, but what made you decide that you needed even further education by enrolling in PACE?
2: I think that if you've uh, went to Red River College before and you've taken any of their full-time programs, you can tell and you can, you know that they are one of the hardest programs to do on any type of vacation that you do. So for me, those two years did not fly by. Um, I uh, There were, so many evenings where I was working on assignments and people like literally fell asleep on their desk and security had to knock on our doors and tell us, it's like, oh, it's 11 p.m., it's maybe time to go home. It's getting dark out. The bus is no longer working, so you need to get a cab home. So those two years were very, very hard and long to to go through. And and I'm very happy that um, I, I went there because what I realized very quickly is when I finish my graphic design program, I started to work in a lot of different local agencies, nonprofits, organizations, even freelanced on my own for a little bit, not very often and not as, as often as I'm going to moving forward, I guess you can say, little tease of what's ahead. <laughs> um, but the thing that I, I understood very quickly is that when you only go to study one specific field, the world has changed to the point that you kind of need to be a Swiss army uh, Army knife in a lot of ways. So if you only know one skills and that's your niche, it's great. But most employers and most people that are looking for a service or a product are looking for that, you know, the trade of all trades, so to speak. So the option was to either go back to the same place I, I studied at uh, which, quite frankly, I just didn't want to do because I've already gone there before. Uh, and then the other two options were U of M and U of W base. And the reason why I decided to go with the marketing, PR, and strategic communication program in base is quite honestly, it resembled a lot of the work ethic and etiquette that Red River College offered me. No shame towards U of M and, and the people that go there. I'm just much more of a hands on smaller classroom type of person. And I think that uh, if you ask me and if you ask any of my classmates and even uh, any of the people that right now go to PACE, they will tell you that it's very hands-on. The instructor there's are you know, not, either veterans or work in their field currently. And I think that when you're a student, you want to make sure that when you're done your studies and you start working, that the person who's teaching you is an example of what you can do when you're done school. Because when they, when somebody's teaching you, and you know, there's teachers that been teaching university for 20 years, but the last business that they opened or the last project they worked on was 15 years ago, um, no shade against them. But I think that when you have someone who's not only walking the walk, but they're also doing the talk and doing what they're preaching, it just adds more confidence to what you're you're doing. So that's really why I decided to go to school the second time around.
1: And, you know, it's all about diversification. You know, you're talking about, you know, the Swiss Army knife and, you know, jack-of-all-trades. You need to know a little bit of everything. You can't just focus on one area because the world has changed so much that they're not just looking for a graphic designer. You know, they're looking for someone, okay, so can you – Can you do some digital marketing? Can you also do some promotion? Can you also do some, you know, so advertising, communications, you know, they don't just want graphic design. They want the whole ball ball of wax. And so if you're in a position where you can offer that, it it makes you more marketable, you know, speaking marketing, but it also helps you to try different things, you know? So if you're just doing graphic design, which is great and, and you're passionate about it, but If that's all you're doing, you sometimes want something a little different. So, you know, taking a a step back from graphic design and now I'm looking at digital marketing, or now I'm, you know, looking at something in PR because the program that you were taking was marketing, PR, and communications. So you got a little bit of of everything, which I think helps to make you more of a well-rounded individual. And I do want to speak to the the smaller classroom size because for myself. The largest class I taught was thirty eight students, which is is pretty big but probably not as big as say classes maybe at U of M or Red River you know I, I don't know i'm just I'm just guessing, but I know that typically classes are anywhere from like twenty to thirty students, which is very manageable, and you're right it's industry professionals that are in the field, and you don't necessarily have to have a degree to be an instructor but you do need to have that knowledge the skill base you know the experience and all of that to help students achieve the goal of being you know a PR professional a marketing professional you know and so on and so forth and so i i like i like that you were able to identify that and realize okay that's what i want and now you have your 2 years at red river and now you've finished your 2 year program at pace and now you're ready to take on the world.
2: Sure feels like that. I, I feel like <laughs> there's still a lot of work for me to do there, but I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I also think that from, again, from my experience being both the person who's being interviewed and lately also the person who's interviewing people for positions and you know, even volunteer roles, so to speak. And um, one thing that being a Swiss Army knife definitely has is its, its advantage in, is your competitive edge. And I think that, especially in the creative field, everybody wants to do something, everybody wants to work somewhere, but it's the people that know how to market themselves and know the skills outside of their realm of comfort that they get the best opportunities out there. And I think that in my case, that's when I realized that I need to go back to school because all of my colleagues were doing the same thing that I was doing. And I wasn't really happy with it. I. I, thought at the time, that there could be much more than what I can do right now. And um, I just, that's what really drove me to 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 go back to school again. And I, I can tell you right now, it probably was the best decision I, I could probably make.
1: Oh, and you know what? I agree 100% with that, because it's almost like, you know, they say the icing on the cake. Like in my intro, I talk about the basics, you know, you learn the fundamentals. But then you take that fundamentals and then you build on it. And as you say, you need to be competitive. And actually, this is a really good segue into wanting to talk about your new project. And that is Zed. I know Canadians say Zed and I think it's US, it's a Z. But ZT Creative. So tell me what that is.
2: Sure. So right now, um, I am working full-time in St. John Ambulance. And I also teach part-time at Pace. Uh, I've been doing the teaching part for about three years or so. And in those three years of me teaching and in my year and a half of me being in St. John Ambulance, um, there have been a few times where people that either went to school with me or friends of friends that have a small business here in Winnipeg um, have asked me a couple of times to do ad hoc work for them, whether it's just collateral or just basic copywriting and marketing. And um, I just decided to make it officially kind of, I guess you can call it like a side hustle or a small business on the side, Um, but I'm not gonna be doing it on all fronts, so to speak. Um, I'm mostly going to be focused on people and industries that work in construction, manufacturing, and the trades. And I think that the reason why I'm going to be deciding to do that that way is a lot of the friends that I know and a lot of the people that I and know from friends and family just work in those trades. And due to whatever happened a couple of years ago with the economy and all the job shortages that have been happening here, here and there, um, those industries not only really struggle to get and find really good talent to work for them. But for the most part, they're so busy doing and working under their business that their digital presence and, and, and uh, side of the business kind of gets shoved to the very corner, which I don't think they want to do it, but they just happen to do it due to necessity. So I want to be able to provide that service for them. And I know from my experience that, uh, Doing business in person and, and doing it the traditional way is really important, but when you don't have any digital presence, uh, it's very difficult to to show your expertise and your level of um, competence if you're just going by word-to-word reviews and even phone calls here and there. So that's at least the initiative I'm, I'm starting.
1: Okay, and you're right in terms of you need to have that digital presence because Word of mouth is great, and and typically word of mouth means that someone is really happy with your services and they're happy to recommend you, but if you don't have that digital presence, you know, some people think, well, are you still in business? You know, like if if you check somebody's website and the last time they updated it was a year ago, it's like, okay, so what are they doing? And even though it may seem somewhat superficial to think of it as like, oh, well, when was the last time you posted? You're right. They who has time to do it. I mean, if you're busy trying to get jobs and and so on and try to survive, you know since uh, COVID is well, I think COVID is still with us in some ways or another, but we're somewhat back to where we were, but not quite. They need someone like you who can provide that service and help them to promote their products and services. Now, when you think about focusing on construction and trades, What makes you feel that that's an area that you are qualified to work on versus say, let's say, let's pretend if I was a graphic designer and it's like, oh, I'll start doing graphic design and so on for construction and trades, but would I be able to do that? And so what are your thoughts about how you can handle that?
2: You're not the first person to ask me that question. So I, <laughs> I came here prepared. Okay. Like an interview, so I, I definitely have
1: You're um, on the hot some speed. answers
2: to give you. <laughs> um, and really, it comes down to two, two specific answers. One of them is instri- more personal to me. And then the other one is just based on what I know and the people that I talk to is what I just decided to go that direction with. Um, so the personal reason, honestly, is that my dad works in that field. He tells me all the time about his difficulties and what the company does from their marketing point of view, because obviously he knows what I do. And sometimes when somebody asks him about their, his sons and my name pops up, he knows exactly the, the elevator pitch to say. And most likely, whenever he does say that, um, either people say, oh, you know, that's such a, a great skill. I wish I had someone in my company who who can help me with that. Or on the other hand, they might say, oh, we actually have somebody very similar to him. But yeah, I, I just don't see much much point of, um, of having someone like that if the results are not showing up. So that kind of intrigued me first to kind of go that direction and see what I can do to explore that. And then when I was doing more exploring uh, and I was talking to more people, the second reason of why I chose those fields came up with, and that's simply because when you talk to those people, the people that work in construction, trades, manufacturing, they're very hardworking, smart, intelligent, very technical people when it came, comes to what they do from day-to-day basis on their business. But when you ask them about how they organize their data, how they organize their orders, how they manage their presence online, how they navigate through technical hiccups here and there majority of them no matter how talented or maybe how profitable they can be it's never on their radar so with my initiative outside of just providing those services i'm before i actually announced that um and i went ahead with that idea i was exploring the potential of launching not only digital marketing services as I am offering them right now, but also offering people a CRM solution where people, if they decide to work with me and they decide to do more work on the digital front, there will be a service that I will be offering them where they can basically log in somewhere, put all of their leads and and information there and essentially operate their digital side of the business under my, Agency name. It wasn't a it wasn't a quick solution. They took quite a lot of research there, uh, but the good thing is the startup costs are fairly low. They need it, and I think that as I mentioned before, when I was talking about going back to school, the world is just becoming more competitive. And if you're doing something on a job and you don't answer your phone, and it was a lead that you could have got uh, some projects out of, if you don't have a way to capture that. Lead, or if you don't have a way to market yourself to a potentially a new prospect, then your competitor and people that are around your area are probably going to take those clients away from you. So even though I don't, I never physically worked in that field, I have worked in marketing, I have worked in design, I have worked in sales, and I know people that work in those fields. So I think that my knowledge, expertise, experience, and just my network of, of, of influence, so to speak, kind of pivoted me to this direction.
1: And I think that's genius. I really do. And when you had that aha moment, it was at the right time because you you just mentioned all the experience, all the knowledge, all the connections. The, there's a, there was a need out there that you identified and you found a way of of solving or providing a solution for that need or that problem. And, and so I'm really inspired and I can't wait to hear more about your CRM program and how that can really help everyone in the construction and trade industry. So kudos to you for developing something like that.
2: Thank you. And uh, to, to add to your point, it, it's funny that I started doing that like maybe a month or so ago Uh, And I'm in the process of essentially looking for prospects. And right before this interview, I actually got a call. And next week I already have a few people that are interested to get essentially a a free consultation of what this service is going to be offering. Uh, And the good thing about all of this is that I think that when people go ahead and start something on their own, they really focus on the amount of money they need to spend to get it running. And in my case, because I was just, I, I worked in so many places and I've seen just transfer of money from one department to another department. And quite frankly, sometimes the waste of money that's being used on, on certain projects. Um, the way that I'm kind of pivoting and, and doing what I'm doing right now is that if I have to pivot and if I need to go to maybe a different set of clients or maybe a different offering or maybe a different direction, um, number one, it's not going to cost me a fortune. Number two, um, I'm not kind of legally bound to do anything. I can just change things on the fly, I think, as a as a business owner. And number three, because this whole thing is going to be working on either on a project basis or re- a monthly retainer basis, I'm much more flexible to change what I'm offering and the prices I'm going to be offering to. So I, I think that's, that's probably the smartest way to to. To run a business like this. Obviously, if you have a, a physical place or if you have physical products to sell, that's a completely different story and that's a completely different business plan. Um, nothing that interests me personally, but I know that some people are, you know, like the idea of having their own shop and being in their store sweeping and waiting for people to come. I'm a very on the go, hands on, um, tactical person. So if I can do something on the fly, and also help someone achieve something and not being in a confined location. And I can just go inside my car and drive to their location and fix the problem right there. Um, That's essentially why I decided to, to model this business this way, because I just know from experience what works well and what doesn't work well.
1: Well, you've obviously put a lot of thought into everything regarding this project and your business and did a lot of research and it shows because you're in a position now like to really expand and and offer and and even customize where it's necessary depending on the needs of your your clients and your customers and yes it's nice to have a shop with a storefront and products and services and have people come to see you but there's that whole cost involved and and there's no guarantee that people will come and see you because people are still a little reluctant to meet in person. They like the idea of maybe talking to someone on the phone, maybe doing a Zoom call, talking about, you know, this is what I need kind of thing. And then you're in a position where you can then put it together. You go and see them you or you meet somewhere at a coffee shop, for instance, and and discuss whatever the project is that you need to do. And I'm sure that people like already you have a few people who are interested and you're going to be giving them a free consultation. I'm sure when they reached out to you, they were so grateful for someone like you who is offering a program and a service and a, and a solution to help them. And it must be such a, a weight off their shoulders in the fact that, now there's something that they can help to increase their business and their presence.
2: I think it's also important to remember that, you know, you, you often hear people start something on their own and, you know, trying to market themselves and trying to do something on their own. And if they succeed or if they fail, it doesn't really, it's kind of irrelevant at this point. But when someone from the outside sees that, they're like, oh, you know, this guy just does this and that and he charges this and this. And uh, they just don't see the value there. And in one instance, actually in a, in a recent phone call, somebody mentioned that to me. He kind of asked me like, well, if you just started this thing, um, why are you like charging what you're charging and why are you offering your your um, consultations for free? And my answer for both scenarios would be that I've been doing this for just a very long time, right? And I think that when you just write up the school and you start something on your own, it's difficult to convince people that what you're doing is good, but obviously, if you've been in the field for over a decade and you know most companies in the cities and you have a decent network of people, then you can use that as your ammunition. And in that phone call, I actually told him like, "We'll meet on Tuesday, um, like evening, and if this is a complete waste of your time, then I will just take you to dinner and we can just conclude the, the conversation like that. You don't have to." offer me anything and i don't need to you don't need to pay me anything there's no risk to you and you get a dinner out of it so i think how can you say no to someone like that right like you just can't you have to be like well at least i need to meet up with this guy this guy's kind of sounds crazy but at least he knows what he's talking about so i i think that at face value it seems like a lot of confidence and a lot of planning got into it but one thing that is kind of an underlining Thing here is that the experience is there. And if you don't have experience and if you don't have a skill set that, that allows you to, to say and act in a certain way, um, it's going to be very difficult for you to, to sell and convince your, other people to, to follow you on anything.
1: Well, it shows that, first of all, you have the credentials to back you up. You have the experience, but you also have a confidence. You have a self-confidence and a belief in yourself. And also in a belief in your vision, because it wasn't like you woke up one day and said, oh, I think I'm going to do this. You know, you put a lot of thought, a lot of research, a lot of imagining all the scenarios and trying to find a solution that works. And it sounds like you've come up with something. And I love that approach of saying to the guy, you know, hey, if it doesn't work, you know, no big deal, You, you know, I'll buy you dinner. And I'm curious, what was his reaction to your offer?
2: <laughs> he was like, nobody ever told me this kind of stuff, and nobody was this confident on the phone with me uh, about anything. And I'm like, well, you have that option. If you want to go ahead, you can. Otherwise, there's I'm like, as I was talking to him, I can see that my uh, uh, Gmail inbox is like starting to fill up by people saying like, oh, thank you, or no, like, oh, thank you, Let, let's talk about it. And as soon as, like, as I'm talking to him, I'm like, hey, buddy, like my, my inbox is literally being refreshed every couple of minutes with people that wants to see me. So it's up to you. If you want to see me, if you want to talk about this, we can. If not, you don't have to. And I think that it goes back to the point of, if you know what you're doing is good, and if you have a way to pivot effectively and not spend too much money doing it, you have a lot more confidence in what you're doing. Because imagine if I spent like, I don't know, like just put a number, $10,000 to launch this thing. And I've not done my research. And I just in- invested all of this money in this thing. And I called 50 people and they all told me no, or I got one person to show up and, and nobody um, you know, went ahead with me. After a month, after two months, maybe three months, you become not only depressed, but you're like, I spent all of this money. Did I do the right thing? Did, am I focusing on the right thing? This thing, this this time, I think that I was I was sending some emails, and one person sent me an email back, being like, "Oh, this sounds really interesting. Uh, I'm not super interested in that, uh, but you know, I just visited your website, and it shows there you're from Winnipeg. Which honestly, if your email mentioned that somewhere, I would have maybe been more lean not to not to uh, go ahead with it." And that was like the seventh email that I sent. So on the eighth email, guess what I did? I changed the email copy. I pivoted based on what the feedback that I got. And immediately after I got a couple more people being like, yeah, let, let's connect or yeah, I'm not really interested in that. I, it's, it's all a numbers game, right? And, and the more you can pivot the numbers and the more you are able to, to change the outcome or learn from what you're doing, the, the better you are going to be.
1: And it's also being able to market yourself, and because you have all that experience in marketing and, and working, you know, in different fields, you have a way of presenting yourself, and also learning. Because that tip that the customer get or the potential customer gave you about, hey, if you had mentioned you were from Winnipeg, I would have opened the email or I would have connected with you, because people like to know that they're supporting local. And Manitoba, I don't know about other provinces, but I get a sense that in Manitoba, it's like if you're from Manitoba. I'm going to support you. You're from Winnipeg. We're going to support you versus supporting somebody from Toronto or or who knows where. But being able to pivot, not a lot of people are comfortable doing that. Some people do not like change. They are very stuck and focused on on one thing. This is what I know to do, how to do and I don't know how to do anything else. But because you know how to pivot, you know how to change things on the fly. You know, I used to say when I worked in, um, in the nonprofit world. I was always flying by the seat of my pants because if plan A doesn't work, you have to go all the way to Z. <laughs> so if you're not able to do that, you're not going to survive, you know? So it's interesting that to hear your way of pivoting and making it work for yourself.
2: And in the end of the day, if you don't need to take anything personal, right? Like there might not be interested in it because of... Maybe they're having a slow month, maybe you caught them in a bad day, Maybe they just grumpy. like I, I think that more people have to be understanding of their own emotions, especially when they are in school or working in the creative field. because the more you give your emotions this the steering wheel to control where and what you're doing, the less likely you're going to like the direction you're going to go to. 10 years ago, if I sent that email and that guy sent me, oh, you know, if you told me this, I would have said that. 10 years ago, I would have been like, I can't believe this guy told me that. I I, I spent so much time on this thing. I'm I i I'm not going to send any more of them because if I get one more answer like that, I, I'm done. I literally looked at that email like, oh, perfect. And I like I took that sentence, I copied it, I put it in my next one and I just revise the the sentence so it looks a little bit more approachable and professional and I literally within 10-15 seconds and clicked on send again so it's like you have two ways of dealing with this and being able to not let your emotion control what you are doing because again we're talking also about business reputation if I just blow up and I don't do a good enough job doing it it's the likelihood of that person And his friends and their friends not calling me and doing this kind of stuff with me um, is very, very high. So I think it's important to keep that in mind.
1: I agree. And it gets back to word of mouth. And now for your business, not necessarily for the customers or the clients that you have, but if someone is really happy with you, guess what? They're going to tell somebody and they're going to contact you. And before you know it, you're going to be having to turn people away because you're going to be so busy.
2: (laughs) So. I think this is a good segue for the teaching uh, component that I do, because I think that the reason also this initiative is is working pretty well, it's not perfect. I obviously just started, but I'm st- seeing some small results here and there. But one of the things that I learned very well to, to be able to get good results right now is the fact that I've been teaching at Pace for three years, and when I started to teach, um, I because it's the first time, and because you're trying to 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 see what works best and what students are adapting to, you tend to be kind of very rigid about your outline. And if you're outside of it, or if you don't do exactly what the outline tells you, you become frustrated, or maybe you become grumpy, or maybe you're you know marking more harshly than you probably should. I'm not saying anything, but I'm just saying could be a potential thing there. Um, so over the years of me teaching, that also helped me pivot a lot of the stuff that I do. And whenever you ask someone who took to my class about what you like about it, the 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 responses are always, you know, Ziv is super flexible, super adaptable. Every day with something different with him w- without being strayed too much away from the, the path of the course. And the person the the other comment people usually say is that he really knows what he's talking about and i think when somebody who's teaching you really knows what they're talking about even if they can be sometimes a little harsh about it when they're marking you that usually is a very good indication of a very adaptable instructor
1: and being an adaptable instructor means that you can be adaptable in all areas of your life and and it really shows not only with from the comments from your students, because it shows that you are offering a, a valuable service. You know, you are, as you mentioned earlier in our in our interview, you're walking, you're walking the walk and talking the talk, and you're doing all of that. And at the same time, you're not just focusing on what they're doing, but you're also being more student-centric because you need to be able to relate to them on one-on-one. So you're a graphic. Design teacher, teaching them graphic design, but you're also sharing parts of yourself that are not necessarily the teacher, right? Because you can draw on your years of experience of maybe offering tips on how to do things a little differently, maybe a little bit more efficiently, because you've had those experiences where you've done something and it's like, okay, that didn't work. You know, how can I do it differently? And then you're able to share that knowledge with your students, and that allows them to become better at what they're doing.
2: Absolutely. And I, I think that also, based on all the feedback that I've received over the years, um, when someone asks me to become their reference call, or somebody sends me their portfolio piece to review before they applied for a job, um, my inbox is just filled with people that are like, oh, you know, the volunteer job that I had when I was in your class, now they actually Uh, got me on like a contract basis to do some design work for them. Um, It's obviously not going to become a job, but it's a very good thing to put on my resume because I'm only an international student and there's not much experience that I have. And the experience I do have is not really relevant to what I'm studying. So having someone from a university as a reference call for a potential employee is really, really powerful when you're in that position. Um, Just recently... One of the students that I'm teaching currently have uh, submitted their, I guess, logo to a a national or provincial competition of some sort, and they won. And I saw it, and I kind of had a chat with them. And obviously, she's super excited for it. Everybody else are super excited for it. And it's, it's really interesting to see people taking what you're teaching them And applying it and not only get applying them but also get reward for some way of applying it and i just remember seeing like her smile the look on her face the the presentation that they presented and i'm and i'm like you know as an instructor i'm super thrilled to see this and then i kind of lean forward a little bit and i said it in a less vocal voice but more of a like very like one-on-one voice i'm like but as someone who like knows what you're capable of. I'm super proud of you. And, and I think that was for the, for her was really important to hear because we can all brag about the stuff that we do. And we can all say that, you know, this person helped me do that. And that person helps me do that. But I think in the end of the day, we're still human beings. So if somebody tells you good job, you did a good, great work. I'm super proud of you. That just put more coal into your, uh, into your in your, the fuel of your passion, which is is important to do as an instructor.
1: And you're absolutely right. I mean, we need more of that personal connection. You know, someone offering us a sincere and honest compliment that shows you support what they're doing and you're proud of them. And that goes such a long way. It's, that is more than anything because your description of her reaction, the smile, and, you know, just the change in her demeanor showed that it it really meant something to her.
2: Yeah. And it still can be felt through everyone. And I think that you can only achieve that when you know what you're doing is the right thing to teach and everybody else can see that. I have never said that I'm an expert in doing a certain thing or I'm an expert in, in teaching. People just tell me that I'm good at it and people are are very satisfied after the fact. So I think that it's less about what you say and do and more about what the people that you are interacting with say about you be, when you leave the room. And I, I think that's super important to, to realize because if you don't have experience and if you don't have confidence in what you're saying, and if you just say things for the sake of saying things and to sound intelligent, um, sometimes I, I say very technical aspect and I sometimes say very, very simple terms of what I'm trying to look at. But the bottom line in in most of the assignments that I give and most of the lectures that I give is that by the time you're done university, if there's anything that you can take from this course is how to become more employable. So if you get a mark that you don't like, or if you get a comment that you don't appreciate, number one, it's not personal. I get paid to give you a mark and to prepare you for that world. And number two, if you are still not happy with the 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 what you're receiving here unfortunately when you're done school and you start working somewhere it's probably going to be a lot harsher than it is here so the better you prepare now for that outcome the less you're going to be surprised by that and i i think that when i say that for the first time that people meet me they're like kind of like ooh i don't i don't know it sounds a little bit too too intense and then after a couple of assignments and after to get into know me and after a lot of my feedbacks, uh, they're like, oh, you know, you know, Ziv is making a lot of sense because it's much harsher over there. And the fact that he's given me that feedback now just prepares me for what's ahead of me.
1: I think about a quote by Maya Angelou. She mentions how people remember how you made them feel. You know, you can give them all the words in the in the world, but how do they feel about that interaction with you? And And that's what you're getting from your students is is you made them feel in a way that you were there to support them and to provide them with what they needed.
2: I also think that and you can probably agree with me on that point, too, that when you teach students in university and a majority of them are international students, meaning that they have never lived in Winnipeg before and they just landed off the plane and just living nearby and, and going to school in a lot of ways. When they interact with you, you're really the one of the first few Canadians that they get to interact with. So it's really important to leave a good impression. Um, I think that if you are being rude or if you're being inconsiderate, if you're not listening actively, if you are maybe have some prejudice in what you're saying and what you're doing, people can pick up on that very quickly. But if you're super open-minded, friendly, direct, but kind of to the point, um, they understand what type of culture they're getting themselves into. And in a lot of ways, it sort of prepares them to to work in the workplace because, you know, people come all over the world in in the classes that I teach from New Delhi and China and Singapore and parts of Africa, maybe some areas in Europe, Latin America, I think now there's more people that are coming from there. And all of those places have different cultures, right? So all, you, you imagine you take all of those cultures, you put them all under one room, and you have one person who's Canadian to basically orchestrate that whole symphony. And you're not going to always get the best melody out of it, but if you kind of know their what approach to use to what, um, it, it's, it's really important. And I know from my experience, actually, that when I started to teach, there were a bit more uh, people from this part of the world. So I had to kind of adjust the way of doing things like that. And now the recent class that I taught, there were a lot of people that came from um, Latin America. And with them, they're very, you know, I guess like you can say open about what they feel and what they do. And uh, they when they say something they don't, don't like, the the typical way would be just to have a, a, like a cold look on your face and be like well that's how things are being done here and you just have to deal with it and you just have to go with it but the way that i do it is like if they are like i don't understand i just i don't get it and i'm like well let's just take a look at your thing and i and i i start to kind of mimic their their body language and tone and usually what happens is they understand very quickly what's happening and then they tone down i tone down and now we're both on the same Level field, so I think that that also comes from just experience, talking to people, being social, networking, all the stuff that is super important to what you're doing. But if you're just starting and this kind of stuff happened to you, you're kind of scared to to make the wrong move. And the more you just do it, the better you just become in doing it.
1: Well, you know, just listening to you talk about your interactions with students and getting to connect with them because it's about connection, especially as you say, you know, they. Your international students, they've never experienced Winnipeg before and whether they come during the winter and it's snow and all the rest of it. I, mean, I remember um, teaching a class in in the winter and telling them about what they needed to expect in terms of, okay, these are the kind of boots you have to buy and this is what you know. And so it had absolutely nothing to do with the course I was teaching them, but I'm I'm basically telling them this is what you can expect in winter and this is what you should look out for. But it's connecting with them. It's being human versus just—and I shouldn't say just an instructor because that's important. I mean, you need to instruct them in, in the in the program that they're they're in. But it's connecting in a different way and and being available to offer them advice because I'm sure that students may have contacted you after class was over or sent you an email saying, you know, hey Ziv, I don't understand. You know, can you explain? Or I'm I'm having difficulties. Or you know, I'm sorry, I can't. I have to submit my assignment late because my kid is sick or something. And you do what you can to help them, don't you?
2: I think that there was one day where one of the classmates had their birthday and someone baked a cake for them. So they brought it into the classroom. They all celebrated. And it was, I think, the first or second class of of me teaching them. And I remember saying something along the line of like, listen, listen, just all of you here, and myself are exactly the same person. The only difference is, is that I have a bit more experience on top of everyone here. And I've gone through a lot more. And then they kind of nod their head. They say yes. And I'm like, I'll give you another example. And I point to the person who brought the cake. I'm like, if I were to ask you how, to, how you made that cake, first of all, how long have you been making that, like just pastries for and then she goes, well, I learned it from my grandmother and now with my kids I bake. So I would say probably I have 30 plus years of, of baking cakes. And I'm like, perfect. So I would not open my mouth once if you're going to show me how to bake a cake because I'm, I, you're the expert in that area, right? I'm not, I'm not going to start being arrogant and being like, well, actually you put more cream here or you have to put less eggs here. I'm just going to sit down, going to listen to you, going to take notes. And hopefully by the time you're done, telling me the recipe for the cake, I'm able to do the same way too. Same idea with the course that I'm teaching, right? I'm not here because I'm better than anyone. anyone. I'm just here because I've done this longer and I have a way of explaining things in a way that makes sense. So it doesn't matter if it's teaching or baking or building things. It's just everything is being uh, instructed based on your skill level and your expertise. And I think that when people realize that that they also start to open up to that idea too. Because when you're in school, especially when you're an international student, there is some sort of fear sometimes between you and the instructor. And the closer you get to that person and the the less of a bridge you have between the two, obviously you still kind of have to have a gate there to be like, listen, my word is still my word. I have to mark you accordingly. But that human connection part, that like connecting um, you know, life experiences and, and, and expertise that way. I think that's super important to, to do if you want to become a very effective instructor.
1: Yes, I agree. And I want to say I'm impressed, but I'm also very glad to hear about how you feel that connection with your students and not just your current students, but you also have that connection with your past students. And I want to talk about another project that you've been working on and that's your academy. So tell us a little bit about your
2: academy. So I think that as of right now for this year, the focus is definitely going to be that consultation business we talked about earlier. That being said, when I often connect with students and they either work for themselves as a freelancer or they work for other nonprofit organizations or other businesses, um, often they say something along the lines of, Thank you so much for the class. I really appreciate you being a student. Here's a couple of my work. Let me know what you think of that. Again, I super appreciate that. All of that part is fairly common through all my messages. What usually follows that statement though is something along the line of, you know, our time in class was really, really good. Um, It's just a shame that with all the other stuff that we have to do, um, we haven't really explored X or we haven't really explored that Y subject uh, in there. And I kept hearing that enough time for me to see potentially an opportunity there, which is why closer to the end of this year when we'll see time-wise where we're at, at, um, I'm hoping to launch a very small website where people can essentially um, take more of what I've thought and explore more subjects and skills that are not only relevant to what I thought, but also going to be relevant to what they need to know in order to find a job in the creative field.
1: I think that's wonderful because you're right. I mean, when you finish school, you feel that there's more that you need to learn. But how do you get that knowledge? And you don't always get that great job right off the hop. I mean, you usually get a, like an entry level job or you end up working in a different field and on the side you're doing some you know some freelancing and and that can be a little difficult because sometimes you're struggling you don't know what you don't know but you don't know who to ask and you go online and there's so many different resources and you don't know which one is the right one you don't know which one you should be looking at because everybody's got a different opinion on what is the right way of doing it so the fact that you've started an academy and they're familiar with you because you were their instructor they can go to you and say hey can you tell me a little bit more about this and then in the process of doing that you're able to develop the youtube videos and you know the how to's and and even some programs that can help them really further their education but in a way that can help them to be more marketable but also a little bit more confident and what they're doing because some people feel super confident when they're finished, when they graduate. And it's like, yes, I did this. And I'm ready to take on the world and others not so much. And so I, I think that that's a, a wonderful idea that you've, you've created that uh, for your students.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, I, I think that at this point giving back to the community is uh, something that I'm starting to get really passionate about. And one of the best ways for me to, to do that is to just extend what I've taught to more interactive forms. Um, and the interesting part about this part of the business too is if ZT, if ZT Creative gets on its feet and keep going fairly well with this CRM system I, I worked on and developed and, uh, and, uh, and currently using, there is a function there to potentially do stuff kind of like as a monthly subscription. So if someone wants to learn a specific skill, but they don't want to pay the entire price for it and they just want to take their time month after month doing it, there is potentially an, a business opportunity there to, to do that that way. But that's still very far ahead in my, in my business plan. It's really, it goes back to, I'm a huge fan of investing as little amount of money as possible and having as much functionality as possible. And I just want to stretch it as much as I can. And when I feel like my hands are starting to shake and the band starting to snap, that's where I think that I can start making more strategic moves of what I'm trying to do. So everything seems to be kind of on its own, but in, in the back seat of everything, everything is connected. And for one thing to move, the other thing needs to move first. And if that doesn't move, something has to change for it to, to start moving because Speed is the name of the game, and I think that if you are quick to adapt and if you're direct with what you know, and and you, you the people that you know of and know you know what you're about, then you just you're gonna succeed regardless. So that's that's at least the way that I look at it,
1: and it's a smart way of looking at it. And I love the idea of a subscription service because it's great to get money for different projects, but then it's nice to have that residual. You know, it's something that. Is money that you don't have to worry about collecting or attracting or promoting because once they sign up and they're happy with the service, they'll continue paying for that subscription service because they're getting some value from it. And so I think that's a really smart way of doing it. And you're right. It's not something you're going to run and, you know, jump into and, and make it happen right away because it needs the right moment. It's when you're ready to launch it and that's when it's going to happen. And so I think that's really smart.
2: It's funny that you mentioned, though, money and revenue, because I'm, uh, I'm hopefully going to get some funding for a couple of things for my first business from an organization here. And uh, they kind of asked me like, oh, like the, the, the pricing model that you came up with the services and for the courses that you're hopefully is trying to do. Are, what is your anticipated like monthly or yearly return on that? Like, what do you think you're going to get? And I remember just telling them, like, listen, I'm just, I did my competitive analysis. I looked at all the stuff online of what people are offering. These are going to be stuff that are going to be super competitive, super, they're not super low, but they're definitely competitive to other things. And if I could just help as many people as possible, I don't really care about the, the, the pay, the check that I'm getting every so often, as long as I achieve the mission of what I'm trying to do, which is just give back to the community and help people in either their business solutions or later down the road, their their skills. Um, that's all that matters to me. And the person that was interviewing me for this potential fund, he goes, you know, I really like that answer. And I think that because of that answer, we're probably going to be able to give you more funding if you need to, because there's some rules in the government that allows you to to do that through your business model. But let me get back to you in August and and we'll go from there. So... Again, I just money is important. I think that is it's, it's a good motivator and it's a good drive. But if people just don't get as much from what you're trying to sell, to sell like you're, you're not going to last very long. So I, I think that more than money, it needs to be competitive. It needs to be helpful. And it needs to be relevant to whoever is going to be buying it.
1: And you're right. Money is important, but it's not the most important thing. And that is what makes a difference. That is what makes you stand out from your competition because you're coming from it in it from a different angle it, it's about that community it's about giving back it's about making a difference it's about helping someone who needs your help and if you are in a position where you can provide them with the tools the the knowledge and your your expertise to help them become better at what they're doing then that's worth more than all the money in the world, and and so I'm really happy that you are doing that, and 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 that is the focus of what you are doing, not only with your creative, but also with your academy.
2: I think also if we can go back to St. John Ambulance for a second and kind of do a complete circle <laughs> all the way to the beginning, when I started to work there, one of the things that they were really lacking in is customer engagements, and one of the things that you see that very very clearly especially online, is through Google reviews. If you're a nonprofit or if you're a small business, you live on those reviews and you want to make sure that your organic growth through your website and business page gets driven from those reviews. So when I started, I think their monthly budget for Google ads were way too much money, maybe somewhat good, but not maybe reallocated to what they they needed to be at. And the reviews were really low. So one of the first things that I started to do there is we launched like a post-training survey. We launched a bunch of different strategies for social media to encourage people to visit the website and do their registration online. And we essentially put a lot of different streams of ideas and projects in, in, in place where people are all going through the Google page and specifically are able to leave a review behind. Some people obviously left good ones, some people obviously left bad ones. I think the, the parking lot and the size of the table was something that people just kept saying. But I don't know. Just one person said the coffee was stale that day. I don't know. I'm not I'm not judging any reviews. I'm just recording what I see and what I, I have. What is very what is very cool though is when I started um all of their social media followings were fairly low. Obviously, now they're much more elevated. But specifically with Google reviews, I think they had around like 100 or 200. I honestly don't remember anymore. And now if you go to the Winnipeg location, there's over 800 reviews there. Now, what's really cool about that, and I'm super proud of not only me, but everybody, instructors and all the staff that is involved, we are currently the highest rated google review first aid and cpr training in the province and if we have maybe anywhere between 20 to 30 reviews more by the end of the summer we are the top 10 nationwide so to go from something that you have like no control over and like not to say that 100 or 200 reviews is is low by any means it's very good for a small business, but to be to to a point where like, oh, we're like 20 away from being in the top 10. And when I say top 10, I'm not saying the top 10 of everybody in our company. I'm saying top 10 nationwide on any first state and CPR provider. And if this continues to go that way, within two years, we're probably going to be the top two, if not the first rated thing in, in Canada. So going back to money, yes, you can go and reallocate the money to spend more, on stuff and you can start to look at ROIs and how you, you make the most out of it. But when I started, that was not the case with me. I just said, what can we do <laughs> where we can spend the least amount of money, <laughs> get the most amount of results, and will give us the best amount of feedback from people? And now we're in the process of kind of renewing our Google Ads account and maybe tweaking our campaign. Our campaign have not been running for maybe a month or so. And our all the search results, all the numbers that are associated with it have not going, gone down. If anything, the social media presence and the social media following and those Google reviews and everything else that has to do with like looking for, for directions and calling and direct messaging, all of that organic growth is doing the job right now. So when we do eventually go back, we can even lower the the marketing budget even more because our organic growth does the job for us and i think that out of everything that i have achieved in the in the time that i've been there that is like the the crown jewel on i'm on my crown because when i when i was doing that research i'm like okay there must be something like obviously we're the number 1 in the city which is fantastic how are we doing in in the nation and you you just do a bunch of google maps research you look around you start making notes and i'm like holy moly we're almost in the top 10 like nationwide and yeah, I, my boss and everybody else are more than thrilled to be there, and I think that, um, yeah, I'm I'm super proud of everyone, obviously of myself as well. But every, it's a team effort, and I, and I think that if there's a way for you to to highlight your work and get paid or get rewards off out of it, the reward is really kind of like what you said—the frosting on the cake. The actual cake is the work that you put in and the difference that you make. So no matter if it's through St. John. Or if it's through U of W, or if it's through those two initiatives, I'm starting to do. Um, the number one goal that I always have is what can I do to provide as much as possible with the least amount of investment in. And if there's any areas of of tweaking or or pivoting, only then we can start talking about what we can do. Up until that point, all I care about is like what we can actually achieve and do. So I just wanted to keep that story to the very end because it's a it's a real great summary of everything else that we, we talked about here.
1: Well that's amazing. It just shows your dedication, the work that you put into it, and all your years of going to school. That's four years. Four years of as you say at Red River, it was it was a hard slog. Not as hard a pace, but still lots of assignments and and you pushed through, you did it. And now you're able to reap those rewards because of the work that you've been able to put into it. But you've also got your own ethics, your own version of how it can be done. You know, my husband's always saying to me, you need to work smarter, not harder. Like, why are you doing this? It's, why are you doing this so hard? Like, can't you make it easier for yourself? And sometimes, yes, maybe I can, but sometimes you learn by, doing it and then realizing, okay, that didn't work. So what else can I do? But if I, let's say hypothetically, had someone like you saying, okay, this is how you can do it and make it easier for yourself. Well, you got my money.
2: <laughs> yeah, in one of my classes, somebody mentioned that to me. It's like, oh, you're really teaching us how to, to work smart and not really hard. And I really like that statement. If, there, if there's one way way I can kind of fix it a little bit, is that you always need to work smart not hard but in order for you to know how to work smart you first need to know how to work hard and i think that if you just go into anything with the with the idea of like i'm just going to try to be as efficient as possible you're learning you're going to quickly learn very quickly that you need to put the effort in and only when you put the effort in and only when you've done everything You can look back at all your hard work and be like, well, that was not really smart. That was pretty dumb. That was actually super smart. I'm going to take that and apply that to my next endeavor or initiative. But you need to work hard, then smart, then both. So I I think that there's no way of avoiding hard work, unfortunately.
1: You know, you're absolutely right. And that actually brings us to the end of our interview. And that's a perfect close for everything that we've talked about so thank you so much for being on and and first of all sharing your work at saint john's ambulance sharing your background in becoming a graphic designer and and now becoming you know a digital marketing consultant and your initiatives your creative and your academy and all the dreams and visions that you have going forward in helping those in the construction and the trades business and basically anyone who needs help. It's not just construction and trades for your students, but it's anyone out there that wants to learn more about marketing, wants to learn more about graphic design. They are in need of someone to help them with a project, maybe to help them achieve that vision that they have, because sometimes you have a vision, but you just don't know where to go and you don't know how to start. And that's perhaps why sometimes people stop because they don't know and having someone like yourself who's available to help them take that first step and give them the confidence that they need in order to achieve that. So I just want to say thank you.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: You're welcome. How can people get in touch with you?
2: So if you just type in my name, Ziv Tretelovich, on either LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, uh, you will either find my professional uh, profile or... In some cases, uh, for ZT Academy and ZT Creative, they have their own Twitter and Instagram pages. And um, obviously I'm going to be starting doing some stuff on YouTube. So as long as you type in my name, you will find something by me. And uh, as long as you follow me, I guarantee it's going gonna, gonna to start posting a lot more behind the scene work. So I, I would really advise you to stay tuned for that.
1: Wonderful. And I'll make sure to include all your connections on the show notes and also in my social media posts. So thanks again.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: You're welcome. So until next time, if you are in the construction or trades business, a student who is looking for additional assistance with graphic design, or anyone who would like to know more about graphic design, digital marketing, or marketing in general, please consider reaching out to Ziv, I know that he would be more than happy to help you reach your
2: goals.
0: Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee.